Welcome back to Astrology and You. I'm Maxine. And I'm Alice. Um, In today's episode, we're going to spend the entire time answering some astrology questions that you've submitted. So we're going to go over topics surrounding astrological compatibility, solar return charts, solar, sorry, solar return charts, aspects in your chart, and a few others. Yes, this is the last episode of season one. So it's our season finale. And it's honestly just been so fun to see how well it's been received and to connect with you guys. We are so grateful. Yeah, it's also, I guess, in our podcast business chart, it's Aries season. So it's 12th house season. um, So we'll be taking a short break until May, but we will be back. Yes. (laughs) Um, And also announcement. I'm so excited to share that my partner just launched star sign candles. So he's been working on this for so long and it's been so precious to see how he's went from kind of being an astrology skeptic really to now being so into astrology too. And aside from just being really quality candles, they're made to bring astrology and positivity into your home. So go check out starsigncandles.com to learn more if you are curious. Yeah, I'm so excited to receive mine. Um, Doesn't it like tell you what is like going on for the day in astrology? Yeah, okay, so it's really cool. It's basically, uh, it has, every candle has a QR code. So you use your phone and you scan the candles code and it basically uses AR, augmented reality, to bring you weekly updates and positive affirmations like based on the horoscope for your rising sign that week. Oh my God, that's so cool. So I would like know what the full moon means for me or the new moon or Aries yes. season. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so it's it's so cool because it actually has specific affirmations that you can work with. So the energy is literally like you get to align with it. Oh my God, I need it. I know, I'm so excited. That's really cool that Nick did that, just knowing that... Um, he wasn't that interested in astrology like yeah. even like a year ago. It is so wild. Like this is why going back to transits, it's so accurate. And anyway, we could get into that. But it's interesting because he has his Chiron in the 12th house. So that means like spirituality has to come through like really understanding it in your own perspective, like maybe in a more unique way and on your own time. Mm-hmm. And that's what the candles are for him. I love that. Yeah. Should we jump into the transits for the week ahead? Yes. Okay. So let's start off with today is March 21st. If you're listening to this on Sunday when it was released, Venus moves into Aries and this brings with it so much energy of just like that impulsivity of Aries. Like if you feel like you've been in a, maybe you've been dating for someone with someone with a what. Maybe you've been on dates with someone for a while and you're just like, okay, I I need to act. Like I need to tell them how I feel. I want to put myself out there more. Or maybe you've been kind of like interested in someone and now you're finally like, okay, something needs to happen. Like it's kind of really makes you take action. And if you've been in a relationship for a while with someone, it also make might make you kind of be like, okay, I want to shake things up. I'm like ready to do something different or you know it's kind of a more playful fun lighthearted energy yeah like wanting to initiate stuff with um relationships yeah 
I would also say maybe like because Venus is money, like spending kind of impulsively or spending a lot as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it's also going to be nearing the sun, Venus will be. So relationships in general are more of a focus and also money. Like you might find at this time there's more of a concern about your finances or you're just like Alice said, wanting to spend more. Yeah. Also going on at the start of the week, so Sunday and Monday, the 21st and 22nd, Mars in Gemini is going to come into a trine with Saturn. So this is really nice energy. I feel like it just gives kind of like lasting power to anything you want to initiate and start now. And I feel like Mars in Gemini can be a little ungrounded, like... I'm interested in this. Wait, I'm interested in that. And kind of being a little all over the place where Saturn, because it's an easy trine, gives it like a more stabilizing energy. Like, okay, you need to focus on this and this only. I am so ready for that. That dedication (laughs) that's going to come. And then also closer to the weekend, so Friday and Saturday, Mars will be meeting up with the North Node in Gemini. So the North Node has been in Gemini for about a year now, and the South Node's in Sagittarius. So that's where the current eclipse cycle is going on across Gemini and Sagittarius. And because Mars is triggering the nodes, it's kind of setting off maybe more developments with the house and the area of the life area of your life where the eclipses are happening back and forth for like the next year um so definitely look at what house gemini's in that whole area of your life is kind of getting activated in 2021 the full year but particularly mars moving up to the north node might i don't know rush things along more or just give it kind of like a thrust yeah like more of a sense of urgency because your north node is like okay this is your destiny you need to be doing something about it yeah yeah All right, so let's begin with our Q&A. Again, this is going to be an entire episode for our last of the season, all about your questions you've given us. So starting out, number one, how much should we be paying attention to compatibility of signs? Yeah, so I feel like most of the time when someone's dating someone new, the first thing to do is like look up online if their sun sign is compatible with the other person's sun sign when they may not realize like, okay, there's so much more to a person's chart. And like the sun is not really indicative of like intimacy and sexual, sexual needs and like romance that that's like more moon, Mars, Venus aspects of your chart. So I feel like when considering compatibility with someone, it's really important to take both of your full birth charts into consideration, not just someone's sun sign. Yes, exactly. And and I also feel like sometimes with compatibility and synastry, people think, oh, I have to have the exact same sign. Like I'm a Taurus sun, so I have to have someone with a Taurus sun or a Taurus moon, which is great. Like actually Nick and I have that. I have a Taurus sun, he has a Taurus moon. And it kind of gives you like a shared language or that energy you both just get without having to explain it. But you also need to have differences. Like that isn't a bad signal. Like that is good. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like um, a lot of the time I notice in partners' charts um, having signs of the same modality. So I'll see fixed signs gravitate towards one another, cardinal signs, mutable signs gravitate towards one another. Like, for for example, Maxine, you have a Scorpio moon and a Taurus sun. I'm Aquarius and Leo. So those are all (laughs) fixed signs, and I feel like a lot of people in my life have Scorpio and Taurus in their chart. But if you looked up online, like, are Taurus and Aquarius compatible? It would definitely say no. 
Yeah, exactly. I think it's so important that you have that because for those of you guys who don't know, like fixed energy is very like very focused energy, very like stubborn, really like hardworking and like they really stick with if they say they're going to do something, they do it and they're not they don't waver. So that's something that I look to in friendships a lot and in partner with like with Nick. Yeah, I was also talking about this with someone how like maybe you might have better like traditional like if you Googled it better compatibility with a friend than you might with a romantic partner. Like I always notice like I have Gemini girlfriends and Libra girlfriends like those are like the compatible like air signs with Aquarius but like I have never been drawn to date one of those signs like I don't there's not that like push pull and like I'm not really super attracted to them. It's like too easy almost. Yeah, it's too easy. And I think you need like squares and oppositions in romantic relationships to like keep up that like, okay, this person's pushing me to grow and become a better version of myself because I'm constantly having to like work on this. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing, like partnerships really like going into a partnership. I think it's really important to recognize what you want out of it because I agree with you, Alice, like partnership for me is all about like soul growth like I love having at one time like having energy that's compatible so that like the the same Um, but then also the differences are what kind of asks you to grow and expand and if you didn't have that I feel like the relationship would kind of fall like a little bit flat Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I definitely see like a lot of oppositions like you mentioned um you and Nick, like you have a Scorpio moon. He has a Taurus moon, right? Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. Or like, I feel like I am drawn to Leo, Leo men a lot. And that's opposite Aquarius. Um, but yeah, Taurus and Scorpio would play a role too. Um, and that's and then, so important. Oh, sorry, Alice. Go no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> no, I was just going to say like, that is so important to you to mention because a lot of people I'll get in readings asking like oh no like we have different moon signs or opposite sun signs is that bad but actually in relationships the opposition is so telling like that's actually helpful mm-hmm. and it's really good to have opposite signs or signs of the same modality so fixed all fixed all mutable all cardinal because when transits come along it's going to activate you and your partner at the same time so like if you're if this is someone you're wanting to move homes with move in together or like start a family together it kind of you need to have those shared transits where it's affecting both of you at the same time like if you're both having a child like your first child you're both gonna have very important like transits going on at that time Mm. Yeah, and the timing, that's like what makes it for a partner who you're going to have longevity with. Like you're going to want to grow together at the same times. So important. And also element as well. So like, um, for example, like you might not, my, my rising sign is actually Gemini, which is an air element. And then Nick's rising sign is Libra. So that's also helpful because it still has that commonality of air, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like with my Pisces, Moon, and Venus, I'm drawn to like Cancer, Scorpio, because those are the other water signs. Um, So I feel like those provide maybe more of an easier, like, way to get along. I try to find that compatibility with the Moon. Absolutely, water signs need other water signs for sure. Like, you you can't if you're a water sign, you can't have someone who doesn't have some type of water. Like, I just they don't. I don't get them. (laughs) Like, there's not that depth. (laughs) <laughs> I love that Alice that's such a so true <laughs> yeah 
Um, okay, question number two. Um, aspects and which ones are important to note? Okay, so there are basically what even is an aspect that shows how any two planetary bodies or angles interact with one another. So in a birth chart, all of those lines in between planets in the middle of your chart, those are called aspects. Yeah, and so we, I think Maxine, both of us focus on like um, four major aspects, um, the conjunction, the opposition, the square, and the trine, sometimes the sextile, but like I really, I really don't focus on the sextile a lot unless it's like exact, like zero degrees. Exactly. So that's so important too. Um, the orb or the distance between like the degrees between planets, I keep a really tight orb generally. Like, so especially for the minor aspects, you need to like, I don't know, sextiles and stuff, you need to make sure that you have a really tight orb. So it's not going to be like 10 degrees away. Like that won't tell you much. Yeah, like looking at your chart, the ones that are the most exact, you're going to feel them the most in your chart. They might overpower like a weaker, like if something's at eight degrees of cancer and then you have something at 20 degrees of Scorpio, that's technically like a trine, but it you won't feel it as intensely as if it was also eight degrees of Scorpio. So it's both eight degrees. Um, but I guess like to start off with the conjunction, that's when two planets are at the same degree or kind of within, I use like an eight to 10 degree orb for conjunction. I feel like conjunction after 10 is degrees. Really powerful. Yeah. yeah, I feel like after 10 degrees apart, not so much. Yeah, that would be my maximum for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the closer that is. And the conjunction is kind of like blending the two energies together. And it may be hard to like separate which one's which at times. Yeah, so that's so interesting. So for example, Alice, you have Mercury exact, like pretty exactly conjunct your sun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is that like? Yeah, I have sun at six Aquarius and Mercury at seven. Um, and that is like very much like... I feel like I do take on a lot of like Mercury qualities, like racing thoughts, kind of like unable to settle down, a lot of anxiety, kind of like attention is like in a ton of different places at once. But I also like communication is so key to me. And I feel like my opinions and thoughts are like just another extension of who I am. So sometimes I'm like pretty hesitant to voice my opinions especially if they're like a little stronger because I don't want someone to get the wrong impression of me because I just like feel like everything I say is my identity. That is so interesting. Yeah, because the sun rules yourself and Mercury, your thoughts, like so identified with what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how you, you express yourself. You don't have any in your chart, do you? No. <laughs> it's so interesting. Crazy. Like if you use a really wide orb, like yes, Um but no, not really. Not anything. I mean, I have Uranus and Neptune, which everyone born around 1993 would have. But that is a generational thing. So it's not ex- experienced as like as intimately as you would with, have with your son and a personal planet. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting because like um, when you have a planet conjunct, like Sun-Mercury is a pretty positive conjunction. And so it kind of is an easier conjunction to have whereas if you have a planet maybe like Saturn conjunct your sun or Chiron conjunct your moon you know like that wouldn't be necessarily a comfy conjunction 
Hold on. Everyone's replying to me about the pho- photography stuff. <laughs> okay, hold on at once. Um, this is so sun conjunctive, know, Mercury. Know, like, looking at your text while we're I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Guys, I was just maxine just caught me looking at my text messages while we're trying to record a podcast and i feel like that is the exact definition of sun conjunct mercury unable to shut the mind off it's like always illuminated and and also like in aquarius too like with technology i cannot do that like my phone for our when we're doing this i have my phone on airplane mode it's like i have to constantly be talking to people at all time i spend like hours on the phone every day it's crazy that's insane I remember when I we first went to meditation together in New York like forever ago and you were like this is great just not spending time with my phone <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's so funny. um back to what you were saying like a harder conjunction like for instance if you have sun or moon conjunct Saturn even if your moon is in like a lovey-dovey sign like Cancer or Pisces or one of those or like Libra, having Saturn right on top of that planet would give it maybe a more cold, like a coldness or a distance. So like you might be very self-critical. It might be hard for you to express love and affection. Like for instance, if you have like a Libra moon, that's like all about like partnership and um sharing love kind of and having Saturn there might restrict that a little and make you like take things way more seriously but be kind of like scared to be emotionally open with people yeah exactly so it's really important with conjunctions to know and and all of these aspects really it really matters what planets are involved so you have to first understand that before you can understand how two planets interact mm-hmm. yeah um and then oppositions I feel like because we both have those in our chart um, with the opposition, it's all about striking a balance between those two planets. And there might be quite like a push pull um, between like, I feel like a lot of the times one planet gets projected onto someone else and they end up acting that out. Like other people in your life will act out the qualities of that planet for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. I mean, in my whole chart, it basically looks like I have such a huge opposition. I was born on a full moon. So if you have your sun and moon in opposite signs, that means you were born on a full moon too. And I experience in life like so much like relationships are really like take on a greater importance. I feel like I learn a lot more lessons through relationships. Um, Like it really comes out for me through external things or situations too. That's where I do a lot of like learning and growth. Mm Mm-hmm. I also feel like, like yeah, especially with the sun and moon opposite one another, like you're born at a full moon. Yes. Like, so emotions are like very big as well. Um, And it definitely makes it so that way a lot of the times how I want to express myself is at odds with how I feel emotionally, like what my needs are. So like, it's kind of almost like a seesaw effect, like either one is being activated or the other. And If you have oppositions like that that are very strong and with personal planets especially, you're going to feel like, okay, I need to find a way to bring these two into better balance and harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a Mars and Cancer opposite Uranus and Neptune and Capricorn. And I feel like I don't own the Mars qualities of like aggression sometimes and like confrontation and other people end up confronting me. Like, I feel like they sense my, like, pent-up frustration and anger with them, and they end up blowing up in my face, and I'm like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> you can't avoid it. <laughs> I'm like, I was trying to avoid this, but me avoiding it pisses people off. And then they end up acting out all the anger onto me. So I still get it just like from an outside source. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah, that is so inter- interesting. Yeah, so for oppositions, it's really like there is a huge tension there and it always leads for a need to resolve whatever it is. Like you can't just ignore it. So that's a perfect example, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, should we move on to our next one? Oh, wait, no, 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 wait. We need to go over squares. Yeah, so squares, I think, actually are the most activating of all the aspects. I always get people who are, I'm sure you, I know, I know you do, actually, but people who have squares in their birth chart will be like, oh, no, like, is this bad? And that that's like a 90 degree, like, separation between two planets. And it actually is experienced, like, pretty difficult with a lot of inner tension, But especially as you get older, you learn how to like bring those two energies into harmony and really like it activates you to get up off the couch and like do something like work on that conflict you have. Yeah, it always is like pushing you to grow more. Um, I would say with I have a square between Saturn in my seventh and Pluto in my fourth. And I notice in relationships, whenever a romantic relationship is started, it triggers family memories and how I was treated by my mom specifically. Um, So it's that tension of maybe needing to resolve one area in order to be successful in the other. Mm, Yeah, and I have Mercury square my Uranus. So that's interesting. It's kind of like, I feel like I really need to express my, and Mercury is also in the 11th house. So it's like such a Uranian, like a need to be like, almost express myself, even if it's different. Like I have to feel like I have that independence of where my thoughts are coming from. And sometimes I feel like that was something that was harder to embrace as I was younger, but now it's just like much more easily done. Yeah, I just feel like with the square, there's a lot of tension and there needs to be an outlet for the tension, especially if you have like a T-square in your chart, which is where there's an opposition and then a square in the middle. So you have like a T-shape between the three planets. Mm -hmm. And then the last one also is a trine. Like these are the major ones. There's obviously, like we said, others, but a trine is really indicates where two energies kind of flow easily. So it's great, but also sometimes you have to really actively work and discipline yourself to use that flowy energy. Yeah, trying is easy, like just stuff that comes to you naturally, skills you fall back on, but like you really don't think about as much. Maybe you don't even like second guess, like, oh, I just like, I'm good at that. I don't really know why. Yeah, that's, I'm trying to, so I have, in my birth chart, I have Saturn trying Jupiter in the 6th and the 10th. T- I Saturn and Jupiter stayed at a trine with one another for definitely 93 and 94. Oh, okay. So we have that. So that's that's more of a like year long thing. (laughs) Well, we both have it. So (laughs) I think it, it actually is so fitting for both of us, though, I feel like because it's kind of like, um, like discipline kind of works in terms of like, also like our uh, what we're optimistic about and like what we want to grow on like we're really disciplined when it comes to that like we're able to use that but we have to make a conscious choice to like do it like it's not something that just naturally comes to us we have to like be intentional about it Mm -hmm. yeah I also have Jupiter trying sun and Mercury I just feel like with the Mercury it's like communication and like writing skills that's just like something I've always been good at wait do you have a grand trine 
No, I just have Jupiter and Libra trine Sun, Mercury, and Saturn in Aquarius. That is so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's that Thank like? you, Jupiter. <laughs> it's not as great as you would think. You would think a Jupiter trying to the seventh house would be like, oh my God, amazing relationships. But I think that Saturn Pluto square really overpowers it. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe it's something you'll tap into later in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Number three, how to predict how to predict health issues which planets and houses should we look at um with health definitely the sixth house um I notice health issues pop up more um when transits take place in the sixth house specifically eclipses so if you're a cancer or a capricorn rising you have the eclipses in your sixth and twelfth house all of this year and for the second half of last year so you may notice health being way more of a focus right now as well Um, and then also saturn going through the sixth house when it transits that house really i feel like you have to take your health more seriously and you really have to step it up yeah so saturn when it transited through my sixth house like Saturn brings restrictions and when it transited over my moon which represents like in one of the things it represents is the digestive system um digestive system is that that weird (laughs) (laughs) but when Saturn went over that I literally cut out all dairy because I'd been allergic to it when I was a baby and like it came back kind of yeah and like the moon associated with the stomach Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so crazy. So, so it literally it manifests in like such obvious ways, especially if it is transiting planets you have natally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, when Saturn first gets to the sixth house, so it spends about two, two and a half years in each house. Um, so when it first gets to the sixth, there's usually like an initial health problem where you're like, oh my God, what's going on? And then you spend the next two years trying to like fix that and incorporate like better healthier practices into your life like for instance when mine first entered the six in early 2018 that year um I stopped drinking as much I began to do yoga I really had to learn how to eat healthier still not amazing with the healthy eating but like definitely significant improvement once Saturn finished that six house six house transit Yeah, and that totally aligns with mine too because I had started yoga when Saturn went through mine. I stopped drinking. I went, I like I'm vegan now because of that transit. Like so many things happen and it really is also like just wanting to purify your body and like you really look at your body like more as, I don't know, just so much more gratitude. I feel like like you're really trying to like nurture it more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I guess the difference kind of with Saturn in the 6th and like eclipses across the 6th and 12th, eclipses in the 6th and 12th um, tend to bring a more like spiritual component to your health and like trying to strike a balance between like work life um, in your chart, like downtime versus work time. And then also like how to bring like also mental health into focus more in addition to physical health. Um But I guess we should say, like, at the end of the day, we're not doctors. (laughs) So you can't, I'm never going to tell someone, like, yeah, you're definitely, like, your health problem's going to be cleared up. Like, I would never say that to someone because you need to go see a doctor still. Yes. (laughs) Like, make that abundantly (laughs) clear. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
And that said too, if you're going through your Saturn return though, that's always a time where you're being asked to slow down. Like your time feels limited, your energy feels limited. So sometimes this is associated with um, like you're feeling physically like more tired and like health ailments can come up. And it's so interesting because Saturn's associated with like every planet is associated with different body parts and the same to be said with like the zodiac signs but Saturn is associated with skin teeth hair nail and bones so during that time like this is an example of how it helps you can kind of take better care of that leading up to your Saturn return and during it so that way you kind of can avoid maybe some like ailments there you know I definitely need to pay greater attention to teeth, probably. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've had, I know people who have went through their Saturn return and like they've had perfect teeth, um, like no problems with it. And then cavities come like when they go through their Saturn return, if they're not taking care of them as much as maybe they would have, for example. Oh my God. Shoot. <laughs> I need to, uh, I'm definitely going to look at that once this is done. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like something to be mindful of. So that way you can kind of prevent, you know, anything that might happen. Okay. So next question. Can you shed some light on the different house systems and their significances? Some of my planets change houses in the different house systems and I identify more with one placement than the other. Uh, Maxine and I use whole sign houses only in our practices. I use, I mean, I would say the kind of the default one, if you just go into any astrology website and just like, don't change anything, don't change any of the settings is Placidus. So that's why you might, your chart might always come up in that form. And that's kind of like your default. Um, I use Placidus the first two years of practicing astrology and then I kept hearing about whole sign and I was like, not really sure of it. Um, it just, I didn't, I was so attached to like where the planets were in my Placidus houses. Cause I had a few move around. Um, but I began to notice in my readings, especially during transit readings, that whole sign was way more accurate. Mm. And like, it was just like the second a planet goes to with whole sign, it's like one sign equals one house. And so when, planets transit around the chart the second they enter a new sign they're in a new house of the chart um so I just noticed that particularly like new area of life activated this second a planet moved into another sign Mm, yeah yeah so just like backing it up if you're like what is a house system if you go to like astro.com you can choose like there's a default like Alice said but you can choose through like 20 some different house systems and so it's really important like with anything in astrology you feel it out and see which one works for you and like what when you actually see aligns it's not like placidus is horrible if you're using that one that's great if you find it actually works for you but um yeah especially with transits alice and i have found that to be a lot more accurate using holstein yeah um and then i would say like if you identify more with one placement than the other in certain house systems i would say there's often a reason why you may still like identify with that placement so like for instance I had in Placidus my son and Mercury were in the sixth house and I was like I can't change the whole sign because my Mercury is definitely sixth house it's not seventh house I was like communication and writing and all that stuff plays so heavily into my job um Mercury has to be in the sixth but I realized like Jupiter's in the third 
So like, obviously like writing and communication and storytelling are always going to be like something that I love to do. Uh, I don't need, and it also just over time, I was like, wow, I am a seventh house Mercury for sure. Yeah. So for me in Placidus, I have Mercury in the 12th house and then in whole sign, I actually have it in the 11th house because in whole sign, every 30 degrees of the zodiac corresponds with a house. And so it put it in the 11th house and it made so much more sense to me. So important to like really play with the different house systems and not just get so focused on one that you're not open to kind of experimenting and see which one works for you. Yeah. Like before I switched to doing whole sign with my clients, um, I was studying it and tracking it like for a few months before I made the switch. And I was like looking at my chart obsessively, like, okay, does it actually make sense? And once, and then I would kind of start to play with it in client readings a little. And then once I had observed that for a few months, I was like, okay, it's time to switch over. (laughs) It wasn't like something I just decided one day and immediately did. Yeah. Exactly. So, and obviously there are a whole bunch of other house systems, um, but like equal house, I think just is worth noting if you're someone who's always been in plast like using Placidus and you don't fully want to make the switch to whole sign, it's kind of a nice in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Equal is like, it takes the degree of your rising sign and just that applies that same degree to every single house cusp. So like I have first house cusp at the rising sign at 14 leo second house cusp would be at 14 virgo and so on whereas whole sign is like zero to 30 zero to 30 zero to 30 mm-hmm. but yeah so that is a little bit about house systems um and then number five is there anything in my birth chart that points to always having long distance relationships oh my gosh i feel for this person <laughs> <laughs> There are definitely setups and charts where you're just drawn to that. Um, I would say definitely Uranus in the seventh house or Uranus aspecting Venus. Like you're going to need a lot more freedom and independence within within your relationship. So maybe that even if it isn't long distance, maybe still needing like a separate bedroom from someone or not wanting to move in together for a while, like still needing your own space to come back to. That's interesting because I also see that with a lot of like on again, off again relationships, like kind of just, yeah, again, the theme being with Uranus in one of those relationship houses really needing to have that freedom or aspecting like Venus or another planet of love. Yeah. And I mean, if you're comfortable, if you love doing long distance relationships, like good, like there's, that's more power to you. But like, if that's something you aren't liking, maybe there's something to look at there like why what scares you about having someone around all the time you know that type of stuff Mm, yeah and then also for long distance relationships um Jupiter might be involved because that also is the planet of like traveling long distances so that might be it or it could just mean like you know that's good luck in that area or like you always kind of feel like you have a partner around if you have that in the seventh house like it comes easier Or like Venus in the ninth house um, or ruler of the seventh. So if you had like a Taurus seventh house, Venus would be the ruler of your seventh house. If that was placed in the ninth house, ruler of the seventh in in the ninth, drawn to like distance 
with relationships. And even just for me personally, like my seventh house is ruled by Sagittarius. And of course, like in my own relationship, I, you know, was like Nick is from Spain. So we did a lot of long distance in the beginning of our relationship too. So um, that might also be something that comes up if you're a Gemini rising. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't have much to say on that. I just noticed like um, in transit charts when like Uranus will come into an aspect with Venus, like conjunct Venus or opposite, oppose it, um, there often is a long distance component introduced into the relationship if it wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, number six, you mentioned compatibility between two partners, birth charts, and also creating birth charts for a business. Can a birth chart also be made for when a relationship is started? So short answer, yes. Alice, do you want to get us started on that? Yeah, I, I used to put a lot of weight into this. I don't think I do as much anymore. Maxine, you might have a different view, but... I was making like first meeting charts for when I would meet someone. So this is like if you were to match with someone on a dating app and then you finally met them in person, you would create a chart for the time and date and city you met them in person. Um, And that might say something about how the initial first few months of the relationship would go. I have found that to be a little misleading in my personal experience. Like I'm not, maybe I'm just not reading it the right way, but... I don't, I don't put too much weight into that anymore. Normally I just look up a composite chart for the couple. So like my chart combined with someone else's, um, and look at transits to the composite to see when it might get more serious or when it's always interesting to see what transits are going on to the composite when you first meet someone as well. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. So composite chart is super important. Um, as far as like having a relationship made for the exact moment. I unfortunately don't know. I Maybe I could like look back and figure out the exact moment when Nick and I first got together. But um, I know that we did have like a new moon, like we got together on a solar eclipse, like on my moon. So I know that was like very important. But as far as like the exact time I met him, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that is what... I guess I would stress a lot is like the moon phase of when you meet someone, it could actually be important. Maybe not like obsessing over what the entire chart is, but I would always try to plan a first date on a, either on a new moon or leading up to a full moon. I would not plan it for a waning moon. Yeah. Alice and I do not like waning moons. Like we're like all jokes aside, like the waning moon from the time after a full moon to the new moon is not an ideal time to start a relationship. In my past experience, it has never lasted. That's so interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so definitely something to just kind of keep in mind. Um, Okay, so this brings us to our last question. How to read a solar return chart? Okay, so Um, a solar return chart is basically... Um, when it ha- it's basically like a birthday chart because whenever the sun goes all the way around your birth chart and comes back to the exact place it was in when you were born, that is that solar return chart. So you get a new one made up for every year around your birthday. 
And to stress, a solar return is not the same as a Saturn return. Yeah. I feel like I get, people are like, oh my God, happy Saturn return. And I'm like, it's, it's my solar return. Like I'm just, it's just a birthday. Um, but yeah, your solar return chart refreshes at your birthday. I feel like it, it kind of shows the mood you're in and kind of like how you're feeling about your life and what's important to you in those few months immediately surrounding the birthday. It kind of, I mean, the rule is that it lasts for 12 months, but I really notice it play out the strongest, like in those first few months, like the couple months leading up to your birthday. And then also like the three to four months following the birthday. Yeah. And it almost is experienced as realizations. Like maybe if you have like Saturn falls in your seventh house during that Um, that transit like of the solar return chart like you're feeling like okay I want to have more take my relationships romantic relationships more seriously and then I feel like that manifests throughout the year if you make kind of like acting on that birthday energy and making that a goal for the year ahead yeah I also feel like um the solar return is just like not amazing for predicting stuff like I would definitely look at a transit chart before I would look at a solar return to predict like when you might get engaged or like when you might have a job change just because years when the transits line up are definitely going to overpower like a seventh house heavy solar return chart or a 10th house heavy solar Mm -hmm. return chart um yeah I think like two things to note that are really important you never read a solar return chart by itself it's always like even with transits and progressions you have to look at the birth chart alongside of it and then number two like really making sure that you're not just reading a solar return reading like a solar return reading is wonderful but I would never just look at the solar return chart like you have to take that with in kind of like alongside transits and progressions for the year ahead yeah people will come to me and ask me if I still do solar return readings and I'm like no like I I have to combine everything to get the full picture of what's going on. Like you cannot ignore transits or progressions. Um, But I guess when you are reading a solar return chart, I do look at it alone, like a, a birth chart. That's just like for that few month period. And then like Maxine says, it's always important to overlay over your birth chart too and see what houses stuff's falling in and if it's touching any planets I feel like when a solar return planet conjuncts a natal planet that's really powerful um and then yeah I would say when it's in a standalone chart the most important things are probably to look at the rising and the sun and the moon and the ruling planet too I think yeah the ruling planet of the rising sign um yeah I'm trying to think of like a good example so like for 2021 my solar return chart has a Gemini rising I feel like that has really come into play like all I do is like speak on podcasts now (laughs) do workshops with people like email like talk to people speaking is just like my whole life now and that picked up right around the start of my birthday um and then the sun's in the ninth and the solar return chart I have and the moon is in the second I feel like the moon in the second is definitely coming into play very emotional about finances and very concerned about them. Um, so yeah, the solar return does have weight, but like, it's more of just like an internal feeling. I feel like, Hmm. yeah, I think it's just really important not to look at it alone. Like if you're just doing it as like a standalone thing, it's not going to give you what you need. Like you need to take everything into account. Um, but yeah, like the rising sign, why that's so important is it kind of colors 
your approach to your environment that year, like kind of your attitude and your temperament. And then the ruling planet tells more about like even more so kind of brings into focus what you will be focusing on that year. Um, Like the moon is kind of, I like to think of it where your heart will be at for that year ahead. And so like if it's in the fourth house, it'll be about family or like, you know, the 10th house, like really your career is important that year. Um, And then the last one, the sun that we mentioned that again, like kind of shows where will you want to shine? Like where will you want to, that'll really be emphasized. I feel like with the moon, because the moon and the rising can change signs, obviously. Like, obviously, the house the moon falls in is important, but the sign is equally as important. And same with the rising sign. But the sun is never going to change signs because it's always going to be in the same. I'm an Aquarius. Like, it's always going to return to Aquarius every year at my birthday. So with the sun, like, the house is key. Yes. And and it's so interesting because Alice and I both this previous year, before we started our podcast, we had a new moon year. So that's when, like your solar return chart shows the the moon in the same sign as your sun. And that is like such a big time for new beginnings. And I love new moon solar return (laughs) charts. Yeah, that was crazy. I really felt like I came into a new version of myself in 2020. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And it was so nice because Alice, like you'll understand if you guys have a water moon, but I had my moon in Taurus for my solar return this past year. And it has been so grounding. I'm like, is this what people experience when they like my my boyfriend has a Taurus moon and I'm just like, oh, that's so lucky. Like, I feel like I got a taste of that this year. (laughs) I don't want it That's, to go away. I had, I had that a couple years ago. It was really nice. I have cancer moon this year and it's honestly a mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always- not It's not like worst case. I have Scorpio moon next year. That one will be really interesting. <laughs> it's always so funny too because um, I natally have a Scorpio moon and everyone always is like, oh no, I have a Scorpio moon. And I'm like, don't worry, it'll be wonderful. <laughs> oh my God. You will feel everything so intensely. <laughs> oh my god Uh, yeah 2022 here we come I know um and then one more thing too is interesting like I had um my Uranus was actually exactly on my son this year and I feel like this year I really came into my own like I felt so much more independent and cleared away so many limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. I also okay also on it when you're looking at standalone solar return if there's a ton of planets clustered in one area of the chart, like that house is obviously needs to be paid attention to for that year. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely important. So there is a lot to a solar return chart, but um, just keeping in mind that it is literally you're looking at the transits right around your birthday that year. So transit charts like that. It is a type of transit chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> That is it for this episode, and it's the end of our season one. Thank you guys for listening. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we've already recorded 10 episodes. That's insane. (laughs) I know. Um, But yes, thank you so much for listening. It has just been so fun hearing how much you like the podcast and connecting with you guys. It's really meant a lot, too, when you guys reach out to us. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and like we said, we'll be back for season two after a short break. But in the meantime, we'll still be updating our Patreon with our monthly forecast episode and our monthly workshop. 
So check out the show notes for the link if you want to join and become a member. Yeah, we would love to have you guys join us. Um, Thank you so much already if you've already supported the podcast. um, And we are very excited for our first official Patreon workshop this Thursday, March 25th. Um, The first half will be on all about the full moon in Libra, Alice and I talking about it, letting you know what you need to know. And the last half will be all Q&A with us. And it's also going to be recorded if you can't make it live. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. Love talking about the full moon. Yes. Um, And also feel free to connect with us on Instagram. I'm Maxine Lucia. And I'm Stock Alice. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah.